Miller, and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon as KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Gets back to local programming now uh, for the uh, next, well, seven hours with Murph and Andy coming up following us and the drive with Heather and Sean. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Here's the BMW Des Moines guest list. It shapes up like this. We will start uh, at the uh, bottom of the hour, just a little bit past with uh, Scott Docterman from The Athletic. He's back uh, from Orlando. We will recap the Citrus, what lies ahead, when some of these decisions for both the players and from Kirk Ferentz as he decides who's going to be his offensive coordinator. When Doc anticipates, we'll start to hear some of those. Amongst the topics we'll talk to Scott about coming up at 1130. He'll be followed by the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mitch Holtis joins us. Uh, the Chiefs right now, best they can do, I think, is, well, they can't get the one seed. That's Baltimore's, but the two seed is very much in play. So we'll talk uh, to Mitch Holtis. The AFC Championship, at least if seed holds, will not go through Arrowhead for the first time uh, in years. Mitch Holtis at 11.50. Bill Seals talks Iowa State with us at 12.05. I look forward to that conversation with Bill. Some of the comings, I don't think there's any goings from the football team, uh, but we'll get the latest from uh, Bill Seals on that as we inch our way closer to Big 12 conference play. Won't that be nice uh, once we get into that for Iowa State? Certainly a promising season lies ahead. And then David Kaplan off to Chicago. We will go. uh, The Bears and the Packers this weekend uh, get Cap's thoughts on what the Bears they truly have, a, I think, a difficult decision. Justin Fields has made it that way. We'll see if he agrees or not. And then the disappointment Cubs fans are feeling. Uh, here we are in 2024, and they have yet to make, other than great counsel, I guess, a, a move that really knocks your socks off if you were anticipating one. And I think Cubs fans were, as they were told, that they will spend some money in the offseason. And to this point, with the exception uh, of a couple of small moves. There's been nothing earth-shaking, so we'll get the the latest from David Kaplan uh, before Trent's plays of the day. Circus Sports sponsor those. Well, Trent Condon, good morning. She did it again. Um, I You just run out of things to say, right? I did not anticipate we'd start the show mm-hmm. with Caitlin Clark here today, but I should have realized that any time that there's – uh, her and her team are on the floor. There's a chance that we'll come back the next morning and she will be the headliner. And she was again and deserves to be. It truly is remarkable. What we're watching. Um, you said it on Twitter. You just, you're running out of superlatives. Yeah. How to describe what we are seeing. Um, and she sinks the three pointer at the buzzer to send everybody home uh, in high spirits. It was absolutely incredible. A 40 point performance in a night where, after the first quarter, Iowa did not play well offensively. 10 points in the second quarter. Michigan State, and this is something that I think I was realizing they're going to get everybody's best shot. Yep. It gets a lot more difficult now in Big Ten play. Everybody wants to beat Iowa. Everybody wants to beat Caitlin Clark and, and do those kind of things. But. They just have somebody different. You know, we've seen great players, obviously, at the University of Iowa. We've seen great mm-hmm. athletes, and we've seen All-Americans. We've seen Players of the Year in the Conference for Men's Basketball, all kinds of All-Americans in football, it, transcendent players in those sports, but nothing like this. Nothing. And it's not even close. And to just sit back and watch and enjoy what she's doing, 
this Iowa team, they have issues right now. If they're going to get to the heights that they reached a year ago, a Final Four, playing for a national championship, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to get to that point. Outside of Caitlin Clark and Hannah Stolke, nobody's really playing that well. Nope. Kate Martin is what she is. She's not a great offensive player, but she's just a glue player. Can do a lot of different things. You need a big rebound. Great rebounder. Yeah. Yep. She can knock down a shot from time to time. Gabby Marshall continues to struggle with her shot. How about the but defensive cards are calling cards. Right, yeah. she, she really gets in, uh, into the defensive end of the floor, but you give her credit. I agree with you. They need something offensively from Gabby Marshall. You look at the post players. We saw single-digit minutes for both O'Grady and Goodman last you night. They, they went small, yeah. if you will, and had Stolke basically playing the five throughout the course of the game. They need something up. A falter's been a revelation at five foot eleven. How well she rebounds is crazy. Just <laughs> she's always around the ball, so smart. But we're talking about a lot of limitations offensively, and to get to that, this team gets to get better. The good news is they're ranked to the top five. They still only have the one loss to K State on the resume at this point in time. They find ways, but that was a game they were favored by fourteen and a half last night. I mean, that's a good point. You know, yep. that, and the way again, they're going to get everybody's best shot, but. To think that this is just going to be turnkey and come March that they're going to be okay and make another run and a Final Four is inevitable. It's lo- They were down in the round of 32. They struggled in that game against Georgia. That was a better team than the team that we're seeing certainly right now out there. So there's still a lot out there, but the good news is they got 22 on their side, and that can cover up a lot of warrants. <laughs> she does it seemingly night in and night out. Uh, look, I, I, I don't know what to say other than just enjoy it. I yes. truly believe that this is it for her. I was of the opinion that, you know, I just wasn't sure once she gets to the next level, can she really create a buzz around the WNBA, professional women's basketball? Sure, there's a niche market out there for it, but is there really room to grow? I, I'm, I'm having second thoughts on that trend. I think there might be room to grow and she's clearly the face of it but did you hear Seth Greenberg last night who was brought on SportsCenter to talk about to recap the men's play and they talked about the Duke game uh, at the very beginning because that's the game that they just finished up before they went to SportsCenter and Seth Greenberg said I got to stop you for a minute I got to talk about Caitlin Clark he wasn't on there to talk about Caitlin Clark and he said this and I wish I could find my darn phone it's somewhere this disaster that I'm broadcasting from, he said, and I'm I'm quoting. No, I'm not. I want to get my phone to make sure okay, I'm right. Yes. She is the greatest women's player ever, or something along those lines. This isn't Trent Condon, Ken Miller, Keith Murphy, Andy Fails, Travis Justice, Ross Peterson, Heather Burnside, Sean Roberts. Okay, yeah. this is Seth Greenberg, who's followed, coached college basketball his entire life and he's saying this and he doesn't cover the women's game (laughs) no and the same thing i was watching late night last night i was watching cbs sports network and they had a pretty good mountain west game on new mexico was playing colorado state so i was watching that it just happened to be on after the game and that program i've watched for a long time i really like gary Parrish. it's it's one of the programs that i really really like yeah he's really good they rarely talk women. I mean, it is so rare for hear them to talk anything women's basketball. And yet, what do they do? Basically a whole segment dedicated to Caitlin Clark, the shot, mm-hmm. and everything else. It, it's, it has transcended college basketball and getting this women's. And we talk about the numbers from the Final Four and the National Championship and on and on and on. I, I was at Shields yesterday, so I had to exchange uh, Ella's t-shirt jersey she got, the Caitlin Clark, for Christmas. 
And uh, we're getting her, we went with the black and gold as opposed to the white one. I thought that was probably Good a better one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with an eight-year-old, uh, don't yeah. need ketchup all over that white t-shirt. But uh, so we're exchanging it. And just in the Iowa section, there were, I don't know, a dozen people milling around. And eight of the 12 were looking at Caitlin Clark memorabilia, looking at a jersey or a shirt. Or th- There were so many people just in that area, not looking for the latest Iowa football jersey, not looking for the latest sweatshirt or hat. No, they were looking at Caitlin Clark merchandise, and that's anecdotal, but it just shows you the power of what it is. It's incredible. You said it perfectly, though. Enjoy this. And the negativity last night, Don Staley once again making an ass of herself, and she's done that plenty of times, making it about the foul call. That was egregious. It was awful. The three-pointer from the corner, that was not a shot, and three free throws were given to Molly Davis. But don't get into the muck that is that. Just enjoy what you're able to see here. A transcendent player wearing the black and gold and I when doing these kind of things. It's incredible. It, it, it truly is. And we've got three months or a little bit more than that uh, left. And we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but uh, what we're seeing is something. Hey, Ken, your mic's kind of cutting out. Let's see if we can get Ken back locked and loaded here. It was getting a little funky there for a moment. You back with us? I think I am now. There How's that? Yes, yeah, that perfect. There you go. Yeah, I, I had a, uh, a a loose connection. Uh-huh. Anyways, we're back and we're back and good to go. Yes. All right, let's let's move to the men's game, Trent. And I do want to get to the Drake game as well. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, God, this place I'm staying at's got 150 channels, but no CBS Sports now. Ah. Uh, so I wasn't able to watch the Drake game. Uh, went to ESPN Plus, thinking it would be on there, but it wasn't. Unfortunate. I, I do want to get to that. It was great to see Enright on the floor, as we just wondered how severe that uh, shoulder injury was going to be for him uh, when he suffered that prior to Christmas. But uh, the men played last night. They were in Wisconsin, put up a fight for a while. Mm-hmm. I guess if you're looking for a positive, uh, that that would be it. But um, there was just too much Wisconsin at the end and not enough Tony Perkins. Boy, he tried to lead that team last night. Uh, a lot of places we can go, Trent. Um, Patrick McCaffrey, I'm just wondering – uh, you know what? When's it going to be time? When's it going to be time for Patrick McCaffrey to come off the uh, come off the bench? Because the way he's playing right now, I don't believe that he deserves uh, the starting spot that he's been given. No, two and nine from the floor, zero of four from downtown, three rebounds in the game. Still, just uh, sitting at two offensive rebounds in what fifteen games this season. Uh, that's what you've got from him there. He he looks lethargic. He looks like he's just going through the motions, and and I really do feel for him, and I, I feel bad because this was a young man. I remember watching him play AAU events, playing at the state tournament, and being so impressed about the athleticism that he had. But you know, you see what he went through a year ago, taking the break for anxiety, and I remember mentioning that at the time. I just I can't imagine having the background that he did and growing up, going through cancer treatments, and then. Every time you wake up and you feel a little funky, right? You're just a little mm-hmm. bit off. Yeah, and, right. And how your mind can race, I'm sure, a million different places of, is it back? You know, those kind of things. I can't imagine living that kind of life and what he has to deal with day to day with that in his background and what he still has to go through uh, because of that. But he just looks out of it. He looks uninterested at times, which, you know, that's not the case. He wants to win. He wants to mm-hmm. compete. He wants to do things. But even the guy we saw two years ago as a sophomore, compared to the guy that you're watching right now, 
it's a completely different player. Like, he was never a physical player. He was never a guy that's going to be banging around and making those plays just because of kind of his frail frame that he has. But this guy now just shying away from contact at all times, just not getting involved, the hustle plays, those little things that are there, they're not there. And it's difficult because of who's coaching the team. You know, if, if this was anybody else, as we've talked about on the football side of things with the OC, same thing here. They're mm-hmm. talking about somebody that is their kid. And that is very difficult to make that choice to go a different direction. I still maintain you got to do something else, a point guard. DeSante Bowen, Brock Harding, take your pick, but let mm-hmm. one of those two guys cook and give them 25, 28 minutes and see what they can do. I think there's something there. Tony Perkins can play point in a pinch. He's not a full-time point guard at a big-time level. And that's what I keep going back to. If there is any chance, and I was got to go on a run now. I mean, it starts Saturday against Rutgers. Any chance at all for them. And to they have to win that game, Trent. They, they have to win that game. And they probably got to win the next three. So it's Rutgers on Saturday. They get a little time off. They play again Friday night, next Friday the 12th against Nebraska, again at home, and then they go to Minnesota. Have to rip off all three of those. You get Purdue after that. All right, there's another L. And then the next, the stretch of next three games, you get Maryland at home, very winnable, at Michigan, it's not a good Michigan team, and at Indiana. You're probably going to have to be 5-2. Five 5-2 and two. Five and two as we get to the end of January, and just to have any kind of hope in the back half of it. Do I think it's going to happen? I just can't see it. I can't either. I, I can't either, Trent. I just not, not the way, you know what? I'm, I've started to, uh, convince myself when it comes to this team this year. It, it's all about just watch Owen Freeman and enjoy the baby steps that he continues to take. And, and soon they're going to be full, full strides because he is so fun to watch. And, and the Hawks clearly have something there, uh, in Freeman. Perkins was terrific last night, as you mentioned. I want to see more of Josh Dix. I do. I, I think there's something there. I think he needs to play more than 10 minutes. I don't know whose minutes they would come at the expense of. Cricky filed trouble last night. He really couldn't get into the flow of the game, and they really needed him on the floor last night to go up against Wall and Crowell and, and company. Boy, this store something, isn't he? The St. Yes. John's transfer. My God, he's good. Osen told us all about him yesterday, and he was uh, uh, he did not oversell that point. He was right on the money. But but to me, it's about, it's all about I think the burgeoning star, and I believe he's going to be one. I'm not sure how, how you know, what his ceiling is. Uh, as, as we look at him, what, three games into his Big Ten career, I think he's got a chance to be really good. Of mm-hmm. course, I'm talking about Owen Freeman, but that's what it's about for me right now. It's about watching Freeman. Uh, it's, 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 it's these kinds, cause I'm like you. I don't think that there's a lot of wins there. That seven game stretch, they have to go five and two. Man, I'm almost signed for three and four at this point. Yeah. Nebraska's going to be a tough out on next Friday night because they're okay. Right. Not great. There's not a great team other than Purdue. I don't think, in obviously, Purdue and then a huge gap to whoever we put on that next year. And I thought it was going to be Illinois, but the Shannon News is, is what it is, and it's an awful situation. And he should be suspended, and he has been. Uh, and, and he'll have his day in front of, uh, you know, in front of his peers to, uh, to get that adjudicated. And, um, but I don't know who that second, I don't know who the second team is. I don't, I'm pretty sure though, it's not Iowa anywhere near that conversation at this point. No, and you could say maybe it is Wisconsin. We'll see. Illinois was incredibly impressive last night against Northwestern. They just never gave Northwestern a chance in that game, jumped out to an early lead and Wildcats never got back into it. It was a 30 point win in the end for Illinois. We'll see. They really only played 
six players in that game, obviously, without Terrence Shannon out there. Uh, Domask has been great. Hawkins feels like he's been around for a while. You know, they got a lot of new players, a lot of new faces. Dane Danger in a blowout. He only played four minutes last night. Isn't that great? Really? For Illinois, yeah. And, and that's a guy that certainly was impactful a year ago, but they're just going a whole lot more with Hawkins inside and, and going with him. Guerrero is a kid that they brought in. Uh, from Oregon is where his last stop was. He's been really good inside, but yeah, overall, this Illinois team, they're talented, but they're a different team with Terrence Shannon. I mean, that's a team you can talk about maybe as good as a Final Four type of team if they have him out there. The likelihood that we see him this season just seems so incredibly slim. Uh, Wisconsin's okay. Uh, would you, if you had to make a bet on it right now, even odds, them being a Sweet 16 team, what would it be? Yes, no? Ah, boy, they got, they got, they got a star in store. They got a couple of good bigs, um, a couple of good guards, one in particular. Um, I would lean no, but I mean, they're, they're, they're clearly a team that, that has it, I guess, an outside, outside chance. Uh, Klisman's a nice player. Mm -hmm. Hepburn's, you know, depends what night you watch him. Uh, he certainly looked good over, uh, over his career some nights. I don't think a sweet 16 team, but, would I be shocked if they if they find their way to the second weekend of the tournament? No, not at this point. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I probably lean no also, but that's I think the nature of the Big Ten this year. It's just yeah, it's not very good after Purdue. Where's Ohio State? Still need to see more, right? The Buckeyes, I think, are kind of of that group of that next tier team. They'd be the one I put at the top. If we say Purdue, their own tier. Your next tier has Illinois and Wisconsin. Of that mm-hmm. next group, Ohio State would be at the top. Indiana, maybe. See, I'm not, but I, I just, I'm not sold on the Hoosiers. I know they played well in that loss to Kansas, but seeing them even the week previous against Auburn, they're blown off the floor. They're blown out by UConn. There's not a whole lot of depth in terms of the victories that they have. I need to see more out of them. I'm not a big Mike Goodson fan. I, I just don't think mm-hmm. he's an excellent a guy out there, X's and O's wise. And we've seen that with the talent that they've had during his three years and still not making it to the second weekend there. So I'm a little bit more down on Indiana. Speaking of down, holy cow, I didn't realize this. Ken Palm, Ken Pomeroy's numbers, mm-hmm. has Indiana ranked 88th in the country right now. 88th. Jesus. That is shocking. I, I would put them higher than that, I think, right now for the Hoosiers, but that shows you the drop-off. You have Purdue at number two, Illinois at number eight, Wisconsin's ranked 15th, and then Michigan State's still at 20. After that, Ohio State's 30, and then a bunch of teams in the 50s, and down from there. Uh, Give me the Big 12 schools. Let's go to the Big 12. Uh, at the top of oh, By the way, when, when, are they going to play any conference games this year? <laughs> what are they waiting for? Can just put them all together, I guess. Here, at I the guess. End. As soon as we get to it, though, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be on. Yeah. Right. Houston is number one at Ken Pomeroy. BYU number three. Are they really? Kansas is thirteenth. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's got to be on that list somewhere high. I would anticipate Baylor sixteen, Iowa State seventeen, Oklahoma twenty-seven, mm-hmm. and then finishing off the top forty, you got Texas at thirty-one. TCU at 33, Tech at 38, and Cincinnati at 40. All right, same question on Iowa State. You asked me about Wisconsin. Iowa State, mm-hmm. are, could, can they be a second weekend team? If I had the way to, they're constructed. I, if we put it the same kind of parameters we put with Wisconsin, it's a yes-no bet. Even odds on both sides, yes-no, mm-hmm. are they going to get there? I'd say no right now. And mm-hmm. it's just because of what we saw in Florida. And since then, yeah. they haven't played a good team. 
DePaul's awful. I was not right. very good. And the arrest and they the struggled team. with DePaul and put it together, and I got all excited because they looked as though they were coming around. it. Because, But they did struggle for a little bit in that basketball game. Hassan Ward's back. we got to put that out. Yes. He makes a difference. Mm-hmm. He does. And him coming off the bench, or if he's going to maintain that role off, off the bench or get in the starting lineup regardless, Robert Jones has been a revelation. But <laughs> He's had a great career, it, hasn't it, he? It is so difficult, though, because of the competition. To yeah. really see. It's not just by everybody plays by games. Mm-hmm. These are the dregs, though, of college basketball. Florida AM, 333rd. Eastern Illinois, 326. Lindenwood, 342. Idaho State, 295. Grambling, 323. Green Bay, 261. I mean, these teams are just, they're not just bad. They're so bad. DePaul's in there, mm-hmm. too, 244. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire is the best of the group at 211. So their best win is either Iowa or VCU on a neutral. Neither of those teams are sniffing the NCAA. But they were. This is what's wrong with this trend. They've been rewarded by playing that putrid of a schedule. I mean, Jamie Pollard even tweeted about it. You know, to you can you can gripe, and I'm I'm paraphrasing. I'm not even close to what he's saying, but it was essentially you can gripe all you want about the non-conference, but we're doing and we're achieving what the system allows us to do. And they're certainly not alone taking this route. But my good God, November's just awful. Awful. And you're forced to buy the tickets. If you want to buy the season tickets, mm-hmm. you get everything that comes along with it. Um, I, I think something needs to be changed. Some, you need to be rewarded for playing. And even if you get beat by good teams, because watching this year after year, Trent, I can't get into college basketball for the most part. For the most part, because there are some good non-con sure. games. But you, 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 just, you just sit back and wait for conference play to start and that's because of the system we're in. Saturday, Oklahoma on the road, and then Houston next Tuesday. We'll know a whole lot more about Iowa State at that point <laughs> after those two games. Sign for one and one? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think would. There's no doubt about it. You sign up for that right now. Then you get Oklahoma State after that, and then two tough road trips, two BYU and two TCU, a back-to-back before you get the Kansas schools coming in at the oh end of God. January. It's it's such a gauntlet. There, it really is. There is just no easy stretch to. Where's the, schedule. the breather in that list that you just gave me? I would say say an easy three game stretch. The the easiest three game stretch that they probably have is towards the end of the season. They get West Virginia, who's just terrible right now, at home. At home. Yeah. They get Oklahoma at home, yep. and they go to UCF. I mean, that's okay. probably as easy as it gets. But even that, it's a road trip. Uh, it's an Oklahoma team that has played really well this season. And those are the last, that's the last week of February and into March. Yes. <laughs> so they'll get a breather on their schedule. Oh. My God. Well, and the other component of this, you mentioned because this thing's been pushed back so far. I mean, this is compressed. There is game after game after game. I'm trying to find kind of where even you get that extra day of rest in there. You just can't find it. It'll be looks like it's Monday. They play big Monday at Houston, then yep. get the rest of the week off before that West Virginia game you alluded to. So that's that. That's your breather right there. Where you get five mackerel. days. It is going to be a. Grind. Oh, there is a week. There is a week. Trent, uh, January twenty seventh, home to Kansas, and uh-huh. then they they're off for a week before they go to Waco. That's a good one. Need that yeah. too, and that that's a really good spot to have it too. You get come off the emotion of the Kansas game. You know Hilton's going to be incredibly charged up. Get a week to prepare. Baylor's always good. There's been some tussles between those two teams through uh, out the years, too. So that's a good one to have in there also. Uh, let's spend a minute on Drake uh, from last night uh, as they continue their spot uh, on top of the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, as I mentioned, they're going to need Connor Enright. It was good to see him on the floor last night. I didn't see him. Good to see the box score. He was on the floor for 25 minutes last 
night. So hopefully that shoulder injury, because I know that there was a great deal of concern, uh, kind of sharing some um, texts, et cetera, with our buddy Sean Roberts, that they, they were concerned that there might be something there. But this Garland kid from off the bench last night, that was good. The true freshman Colby Garland, uh, by statistically anyways, he had a big, big night. Uh, so good to see from Drake as they continue to – I think indicate that they are the team to beat in the Missouri Valley Conference, and I'm not going out very far on that limb right there. No, and it's been a great start, obviously, for Indiana State. They've been the other story of the conference at this point, what they've been able to do. Didn't get their win against Michigan State in the rematch of the 1979 National Championship game with Indiana State. Michigan <laughs> Did they State. really try to sell it that way on TV? I, I saw a little bit of that. <laughs> well, here's the crazy thing, though. This was the first time that those two teams had played since oh 1979. God. Isn't that crazy? You would have thought that they would have scheduled right. that in the next couple of years, right? Yes, exactly. You have that going, but uh, the first time that had happened in 44 years. They get Evansville. They'll club them tonight. Uh, then after that, it's you and I for Indiana State. And then we get the big one, Wednesday, January 10th, next Wednesday, yep. as it will be Drake, Indiana State. We'll see early on here just how good this Indiana State team is. You know, they got blown out in their biggest game in the non-conference against Alabama. Had that other game, as mentioned, against Michigan State. They beat everybody else on the schedule, but again, same kind of thing. Not a whole lot of depth to that one. I think we still need to see more about Indiana State. I'm with you. Drake definitely has to still be the prohibitive favorite. All right, high school basketball. Uh, when does it start? We know that it's going to. You're going to be exclusively on the Bulls, so that's good. That uh, high school sports are going to really find a permanent home, with the exception. I mean, maybe there's a you know state championship game and there's no conflict, but the Bull is going to be uh, really your destination for high school sports. When do you start? Next Tuesday, we'll kick things off as we will get going on Tuesday with the boys basketball game, seven forty-five. With that one, uh, we'll have some double headers throughout the course of the year, but uh, the problem that I ran into personally is Tuesday night is when we have our indoor practice with my softball team, my daughter's Uh-oh. softball team. So, yeah, it's going to be a tight turnaround, but we'll be able to get there for a bunch of boys' games. We'll have some Friday nights with doubleheaders with both the girls and boys. Of course, we'll also have state wrestling coming up in February and leading all the way to Wells Fargo Arena and the girls' and boys' state basketball tournaments. 96-9, the Bull is where you'll find it. Tip-off Tuesdays, FAP fast break Friday nights with high school hoops and a little wrestling on 96.9 The Bull. Good stuff. Good. It's found a permanent home. That way people aren't bouncing back and forth trying, well, is it on Cakes and Oda tonight? Is it on The Bull tonight? You know that it's going to be on uh, The Bull. Let's get our break. Scott Dockerman is going to join us next. Again, Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he's coming up at 11.50. Week number 18 on the horizon this weekend. Boy, a couple of big games, prime timers too. That's Saturday night game. Good for, and I'm not surprised the NFL wants to give you the best game, but there's certainly a big, big spot on Saturday night um, as the AFC South will decide who their champion is. Uh, Houston and uh, and the Colts colliding, and then of course Miami uh, and the Buffalo Bills, and who to thunk it at some point the Buffalo is very much still alive. Is the MVP race over is Lamar Jackson home free? I can't see a scenario where he doesn't. Christian McCaffrey's not playing this weekend, right? Nope. He's and out. I don't see anybody else. Well, have you seen the betting odds, what they've done? No, I haven't. I'm guessing they're prohibitive, right? Uh, minus 10,000 right now. Is he really? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, How about the guy that spent $125,000 on Brock Purdy's MVP ticket? Yeah, you can get him at 30 to 1 right now. 
That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And and so who is the second choice? Dak, Josh Allen? No, it's Dak. Still Dak? Yeah, Dak's 18 to 1, Purdy 30 to 1, Josh Allen 35 to 1, McCaffrey 40 to 1, Tyreek 75 to 1, but Lamar uh just updated minus 20,000 now on Lamar mm. Jackson. Heisman MVP maybe a Super Bowl. Got to prove we shall the see. Hey, that's a very good point, Trent. And to this point, he hasn't, and he'll have every opportunity to do so and do so in front of the home crowd uh, until they get to Las Vegas. We'll take our time out. Scott Dockerman joins us next. Miller and Condon underway on a Wednesday. Lots to get to. Bill Seals on Iowa State in hour number two. David Kaplan, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cap. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Never sounded so good. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circus Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circus Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit circusports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? At wolfproofing.net. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller as we take you until 1 o'clock. Scott Dockerman coming up. Mitch Holt is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs in about uh, 15 minutes. I found the Greenberg uh, quote, Trent, from yep. last night on SportsCenter. She's the best basketball player in the world. Didn't say women's, didn't say men, just said she's the best basketball player in the world. This is Seth Greenberg, who's made a living covering men's college basketball coaching, etc., for a long, long time. Let's get Scott Dockerman in here. He's back from Orlando, uh, where he covered the Citrus Bowl. Doctorate and Ken, Happy New Year, Scott Dockerman. How are you? Happy New Year to you. It seems to be a, a beautiful day. Um, we're not we're able to drive, and I have to drive on ice, so. That's always a good day in January. Yeah, you'll sign for those any day of the week, no doubt about it. Well, uh, when do you think you'll be driving to Iowa City to for the introductory press conference for the offensive coordinator? Will that take place in the month of January, Doc? Seems like it almost has to, but will it? Yeah, I mean, Kirk thought that it might be by the third week of this month, so I would I would anticipate that'd be a fair schedule now that he's back and can kind of, uh, you know, he needs to get rid of his cough. That's been pretty rough on him. But after that, I, I would assume, you know, I, I don't know if he's got some people who are in the NFL. I mean, the NFL regular season ends on Sunday, if, if that's part of the reason why he's wanted to wait or what. But I would anticipate, you know, some movement here in the in probably the next two weeks. Doc, there's always the back and forth. Will we see real change, real offensive change out of this group and what they do? I've maintained for a long time three coordinators have looked different in what they've done schematically and certainly in the passing game of what they have tried to do. Do you anticipate, regardless of who the new OC is, that we're going to see real tangible change in what they try to do and what they certainly try to incorporate, at least in the passing game? Yeah, I do. I think it, a lot of it has to do with passing concepts and how you approach and attack a defense. And I think uh, there's there's some success in the past in doing that and depending on who is the play caller. And I think that'll be the case in the future, right? There's as bad as they've played. um, I think they had the potential to play better, maybe with a little bit different scheme and system in the passing game. Uh, They really never took 
shots down the field. Another coordinator may ask for that. Um, We see too many routes where they were too bunched together. They needed to be spread apart. You know, space the floor like you do in basketball. You got to do that in football. And, and I think those are the things that Iowa can do much differently and better without really changing its identity, um, with the next coordinator. So my anticipation is yes, we, it will look different because it, they will probably play better, but, you know, without really losing the, the identity that, that's Iowa's led for the last 25 years with. Knowing that it's Cade McNamara's job next year, what do you think Iowa saw from Marco Linez, uh over the weekend? Well, I hope they saw what we did, which is something different and better. Um, I mean, the fact, you know, he ran for 51 yards, which is the most yards by an Iowa quarterback, C.J. Beathard at Iowa State in 2015. Wow. Um, I, I thought, um, you know, all along, I, I, I thought this has just been a disaster, rolling out Deacon Hill. And, and you know, and I hate, dog and anybody you know a college kid but wow it, it was just not good at all for the longest time and i thought even if you throw a redshirt freshman out there how can it be any worse mm-hmm. and in fact uh, what we saw the other day was they had him in the shotgun almost the entire time yet run for his life because they were pass rushing him um and yet he was able to make plays i kind of wanted to see what he could have been like in a real system, you know, where he actually was first and 10 in the middle of the second quarter and the game was competitive and he could have just handed off the ball or maybe play action pass or something like that. So um, my guess is he's probably going to be the number two quarterback and probably get the majority of snaps in the spring. And, and he should. And after that, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, But I I would say that at worst, Marco Linez will be uh, the the number two quarterback next fall. Uh, Jay Higgins back, Luke Lachey back. They'll be coming back for another season in the black and gold. Still other decisions out there. Sebastian Castro, Jamari Harris, Quinn Schulte, even Nick Jackson, who was granted a waiver from the NCAA. What do you anticipate we're going to hear more from those guys? I would say about any day. I, I would not be surprised if they kind of rolled it out in, in daily formats, you know, whether it's, you know, one o'clock today, it's one, you know, one o'clock to tomorrow, it's another, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of that sort of thing. That A lot of that's coordinated a lot like with recruiting, but just kind of give everybody their day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that much most of them have probably already told the coaching staff of their announcement. So that, that's my guess is, is something will happen there. Uh, as far as Cooper DeGene goes, he's the big one. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, my, you know, I, I'm only making a speculative guess here, but if I was to, to say what I think is going to happen, and from gathering from conversations, uh, Harris and Castro will return. Schulte and ja- I'd say Schulte is really fifty-fifty. Jackson unlikely, and uh, and DeGene, I, I would really doubt returning. Yeah, and I think that's the right decision on his part, as great as it would be to see him win the black and gold one more year. Uh, it's best for his family and for himself to go on and see what's out there and, and to get paid for doing so. Doc, Eric All led the team in receiving yards uh, under 300. It was 299. He hasn't played since the Wisconsin game, second week in, in, uh, in October. Uh, obviously, um, there wasn't a lot of yards out there for receivers, but having said that, we saw Caleb Brown come on, getting Lachey, as you mentioned, back into the lineup is going to help. That has to be an area that they identify and try and bring in some help, don't you think? At this point, they need an X receiver. They need somebody who can win one-on-one matchups, who's physical enough to, to 
kind of beat up the opposing defensive back and also make catches. I mean, Brandon Smith was the prototype of that position for Iowa. And if they have it on their roster, then they need to get it out there and, and work. And that's, that's Jarrett Bowie, you know, Dayton Howard. Somebody has to play that role. And if not, then go get it. Um, and then, you know, Caleb Brown to me is, is kind of the classic Z or, or even a slot receiver. I think he can do a lot there, but I don't think he's a number one receiver. You know, certainly not yet. I like what Seth Anderson brings, and and uh, and I think uh, maybe Caden Weijen also has some opportunities to maybe see the field, and Jacob Bostic could be another one that maybe can move into that role. But but for, you know, but for right now, that to me on offense is probably the role that they have to absolutely secure for next year, and that might be the portal is go out and get a receiver. Now, what receiver is going to come to Iowa? Um, mm. That's another question. I wouldn't. I don't know that I would want to come here well, until at least I knew who the OC was and what kind of plan you have to be a wide receiver. Because, you know, after watching this year, it's, it seems like that's where wide receivers go to die in some ways. Maybe there's an opportunity in that running back stable to find somebody out, maybe a slot position for a guy like Washington. We saw him with a nice run in the Citrus Bowl. We saw Kamari Moulton out there along with the three guys that we saw a ton throughout the course of the year. Uh, it's untenable to have five running backs, right, in, in the transfer portal era to expect all five of those guys to stick around. What was your takeaway seeing five different running backs out there last uh, week uh, against Tennessee? It was certainly unusual. Let's put it that way. I mean, I, I'm glad that the freshmen got to play. I thought they played well earlier in the year, and mm-hmm. this is a chance. You know, it doesn't count against their, um, you know, against the loses their eligibility or anything like that. But you know, they've got to make some decisions because you're not going to make five running backs happy. Shoot, you're not going to make three running backs happy. So they're going to have to figure out something there as far as who goes what does what um you know their problem is they've have they've had a lot of slot receivers they haven't had a big x yet for a long time so that's what they really need but i would be surprised if all five of them are in training camp this year coming up um whether one or another leaves like now that that needs to be seen but it would you know i'd be really surprised at the end of uh, spring football if one of them decides to to you know, I, I, w- I would be very surprised if all five of them are around at the end of spring football. I just, I think that uh, you know, the, one of them will hit the portal. You just can't make all five happy. There, are, you know, several of them are different. Um, I think Caleb Johnson still has the most upside out of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Patterson is is a lot like maybe Washington, but we'll we'll see what happens. I, I would expect Sean, Lashawn Williams to stay. I think he's been kind of the bell cow, but he didn't play a whole lot the other day either. Doc, uh, one of the questions, although way down the list of things um, that linger into the offseason, but it's still because Iowa plays a lot of close games, and it's the Drew Stevens question who lost his gig against Nebraska, and they played eight quarters, but they never had an opportunity for Drew Stevens to even try an extra point for crying out loud, let alone a field goal. What are they? What was kind of the... Uh, I guess the the chatter around Drew Stevens and his month of December preparation wise for the Citrus Bowl. Did he have? Uh, did the coaching staff mention Drew Stevens and whether he's got things back on track or not? Yeah, uh, we talked to Lavar last week, and uh, and Lavar Woods was complimentary of him. I thought he's he's worked himself back well, and and you know, and Tory Taylor has said the same thing too. So I I don't think there's going to be any kind of uh, controversy there. 
he had a little bit of a slump. He didn't get a chance to redeem himself, uh, <laughs> you know, because uh, Iowa's offense, you know, was either giving away points or certainly not scoring them for themselves. So I think that was uh, – it, it, Drew Stevens is going to be just fine. He's, he had a good year uh, for the most part, and I, I don't expect anything different there. Lastly for me, uh, and it's on the offensive line, there needs to be improvement there. And Mason Richmond played a lot of football. Connor Colby's played a lot of football. And though they're okay, they're certainly not the ass kickers we're used to along that Iowa offensive line in the past. Inside, Logan Jones has had moments, but it's certainly been inconsistent. I like what we've seen from Ellsbury. Fixing that offensive line with a ton of guys coming back with a lot of experience, what else needs to be done in this offseason outside of schematically and some changes we may see there to improve this offensive line that has been a big disappointment here recently? I would say health and a better passing game. Mm. Everybody knows what Iowa could do would do well, and that's run the football. And I mean, and they, they, their numbers don't even speak to that, but they're capable of running the ball well. And, and But unless they can pass it, um, everybody's going to crowd the line of scrimmage, and they're going to have each of them going to have two people to block, so it makes them all look bad. And, you know, Mason Richmond has really fought through a lot of injuries this year. I'm really surprised he was able to kind of stick it out. And, and you know, all of them get banged up from time to time, but, you know, they, they really limited him, and he was going to get some really good pass rushers. I mean, if they had, like, a left tackle that was like a prototype, like they did with Alaric Jackson or, say, Tristan Morphs, you know, they're, they're NFL starters. That's, that's one thing. But, um, you know, Mason has, has done admirable work there. I don't think they look great. I'll say that. But I also don't think they look as bad as maybe the numbers suggest or even the eye test suggests because they've been overwhelmed. And it's been a numbers issue all year long because every single defense has allowed them to, has never really played much zone against them because they're, they're, uh, corners have been able to line up against those receivers and do you know, a pretty good job. So I wouldn't, I'm not going to fret over the offensive line that much. If they could get a, you know, move up or get a really good offensive tackle, that'd be a good thing. But by and large, I, I think that's a, a unit that can look a lot better with a better passing offense. Uh, still some football to button up at the athletic for Scott Dockerman spring football will be here before we know it, but will you uh, put on, uh, get your basketball recorder reporters notebook back out at all, Doc? What's uh, what's in store for our buddy Scott Dockerman at the Athletic? <laughs> I I still have a lot of football. I mean, I'm gonna I'm well, kind of on the NFL draft team, so I'm, I've got I'll switch over and do a lot of that. I you know I'd say locally, it, I'll probably do quite a bit of women's basketball, or at least be there for those games um, because of what we saw last night, and <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you never know when you're going to get that kind of moment, and so. Uh, she's as transcendent of any figure as I've ever seen. And, and I think, uh, and of course I'm talking about Caitlin Clark. I don't think anybody <laughs> would expect anything different, but, um, you know, you've got to be there for those moments. And unfortunately for me with a travel day and kind of conked out early, uh, but, uh, you know, they, had, I'm not going to do much with the men's basketball, but I'll probably do some women's basketball. Good stuff, Scott Dockerman. We'll continue to uh, read you at The Athletic and speak with you every Monday as your schedule allows. Appreciate it, Doc. Happy New Year. Glad you got home, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. All right. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as we catch up on the Hawkeyes. We'll take our time out. Come back. Mitch Holt is scheduled to join us. It's the Chargers and the Chiefs to bring the curtain down on the regular season. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. 
Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Working on Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Chiefs. But Trent, uh, in his absence, mm-hmm. let's kind of uh, project a little bit playoff-wise uh, as we uh, embark on week number 18 on Saturday. Boy, it'd be weird, no Thursday night football. Got to wait until Saturday to get your football <laughs> fixed this week. Um, but as it stands right now, if Buffalo beats Miami, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, Buffalo would get the two seed. Right. The Chiefs would then be the three seed, mm-hmm. which means they, in all likelihood, if, if it goes according to seed, they get one home game, and then they're on the road. Well, That's it. Yeah, unless you get an upset of that number two seed, be it right. Buffalo or Miami, gets upset in the first round by the seven. That's what it's going to be. Uh, in fact, right now, looking at this is from ESPN and their playoff predictor, 100% seeding chance right now for the Chiefs. They are locked in as the number three seed at this moment. Talk about nothing to play for. And not having the bye week that they've had plenty of times here in past seasons. Yep. Do you play anybody? I mean, is this just... <sighs> no, I don't think you do. Get healthy, do everything that you can, and then get Well, you practical. certainly don't play 15. I mean, I think right. you'd be crazy if he even sees the field. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that. I mean, if they, if they don't have him, they don't have chance. No, absolutely. And let's be honest. I mean, this has been one of the stories of the 2023 season, right? Just the, how many starting quarterbacks went down. Um, I mean, three plays into the year, for crying out loud, Aaron Rodgers' season is done. It went it got, got worse from there. So if they're the three, they would take on the six, which looks like Miami or Buffalo, probably Miami if so Buffalo wins. What we have locked in in the AFC right now, the Chiefs are the number three seed. The Browns are the number one the seed. Five. And, of course, Dem- uh, the Baltimore Ravens are the number one seed. The two will either be Buffalo or Miami, and then we get into a mess. So Jacksonville, they make it easy. They clinch the four with a win, and they take the AFC South. But then – we got a whole slew of things that can be happening in the six or seven. Steelers still with a shot getting in there. Jacksonville can still be in even what they lost. You got the Texans and the Colts, obviously, as they play on Saturday night. So it's kind of a jumbled mess out there. You know, so many times here recently, it feels like those scenarios are pretty cut and dry. The scenarios that are out there right now for Pittsburgh and all the ties and all the machinations, this thing's wild. I, I like reading through that. It was something as a kid I always enjoyed. You know, they put it in the agate type, the playoff scenarios going into the final week of the season. This thing is as convoluted as I can remember in a final week of a year. Is there a team outside of Baltimore that you've got an eye on? It's got to be Buffalo, right? It just or Cleveland? Mm. I can't. Joe Flacco's been good, Trent. He has been good. You're you're exactly right. And maybe it's just old guy doing it. We'll see in the playoffs. He's 39, 38, 39. Yeah, 38 for Joe Flacco. And it's been incredible. In fact, he'll turn 39 on January 16th. Will they still be playing? I believe they will. You do? Really, I think that they will. So sight unseen, you're going to take the Browns on the road over whoever wins the AFC South. Yes. Yeah, I think I'm because with you there. of the defense. Yeah, because of their defense. And Joe Flacco. There were so many teams that needed a quarterback, and his phone mm-hmm. never rang until Cleveland finally picked up the phone and gave him an opportunity. And how juicy would it be in that divisional game with Lamar? You know, the questions will start again. One in three playoff record. Yep. That narrative is going to be. You've already said it today. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and it's going to be out there, and it's going to continue. And here comes Joe Flacco. Obviously, the hatred wow. of the Cleveland fans against Baltimore. Their team moved there. All those things that are there, I don't know if you're going to find a better divisional matchup when you're just talking about storylines than Cleveland going to Baltimore <laughs> with that old Joe Flacco going up against Lamar. 
all the playoff concerns with yep. it. It just and Cleveland is one of the few teams I believe can beat Baltimore. I agree. Baltimore, the gap is significant between them and I think everybody else right now in the AFC. But if I'm taking it right now, this weekend, who no playoff game? Who has the best chance of winning Baltimore? Buffalo, Miami, Kansas City, or Cleveland? I think my answer might be the Cleveland Browns. I'm with you, and it's 100% predicated on that defense. And look, Flacco's got some weapons, and they can mm-hmm. run the football, and their offensive line is okay. How about what we've seen from Najoku here lately? This is He's a guy been unbelievable. Six years ago, we thought we were going to get when he was an early yep. pick and coming out of Miami, and look out for this guy. He's big, he is the ex- he's got the speed, and he just hasn't been healthy. What we have seen recently out of him, it's been incredible. Four touchdowns over the last four games. Two 100-yard games, another one with 91. He's averaging eight catches per game over the last four. This is the David Njoku that we thought we were going to see throughout the course of his career. You mentioned even the running game, even with all the injuries that they had. Ford's fine, right? I mean, Yes, he's, he's re- I think he's better than fine. You, you have kind of all the elements, and then you mentioned that defense. Though it's been weird. That defense hasn't traveled. I, that's one thing I can never wrap my mind around. It's one thing where Dallas, you see them, the way they play at home as opposed to the road, that can make a little bit of sense because it's a team as a whole. How a defense like Cleveland can be elite. I mean, one of the best ever at home. And then on the road, they've had some mm. major hiccups this season. Yeah, I mean, did Denver not beat them? <laughs> Denver's not very good. Right. Uh, and Denver had one of their highest scoring outputs, if mm-hmm. memory serves, in that football game. Yeah, I think I, I think the answer uh, is the Cleveland Browns, if I was looking for a team outside of Baltimore. Uh, real quick on the uh, on the NFC, your thoughts? Um, it's, it's not very fun at the bottom, I, I don't think. Can the Packers, if they get in, can they win I a game? I hope they can. Can, Can they win a game? Well, they'll get they'll get Dallas, correct? More than likely, yeah. It'll be Dallas. There's still a shot that they can also get the sixth seed, and then they get a rematch against the Lions. So mm-hmm. uh, that is a possibility there. But I kind of think that they can. Uh, the Rams, same thing. I, it's just the warts. Talking about warts, Philadelphia, they're all over the place this last month. Yeah. Uh, you look at Dallas, well, it's been 28 years, right? Mm-hmm. Detroit. They've won one game in my lifetime in the playoffs. (laughs) These teams, I hope it's not the 49er Invitational, but it feels like it very well could be. It feels like we could be uh, on on a pathway to one versus one. Baltimore versus San Francisco. We shall see. Uh, Bill Seals kicks off our number two, talking Iowa State. David Kaplan on Chicago Sports Trent's plays of the day. An hour to go. Miller and Condon, 106.3 KFI.